like for you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. Hebrews chapter 12 in your copy of God's Word. G. Campbell Morgan wrote that Hebrews opens with God has spoken and ends with don't refuse him who is speaking. God has spoken. Don't refuse him who is speaking. That's the message we're going to hear from God's Word today as we consider verses 18 to 29 of chapter 12 as we conclude our study in chapter 12 this morning. Those who have trusted in Jesus Christ should praise God that He is a speaking God. That He speaks, that He has spoken and that He speaks. He is speaking to us from His Word today. He is speaking to us from the Bible. And that is a wonderful truth. Because as we have been learning here in chapter 12, the Christian life is hard. It's like a long-distance marathon. It's like a long journey. And to be equipped for the challenges that await us in the Christian life, God is preparing us by speaking to us. He is speaking to us from His Word. And if the creator of the universe, consider this, if the creator of the universe chooses to speak to us, who are we not to listen, not to pay attention? If the creator of the universe has chosen to speak to us through his word, we would be foolish to neglect his instruction. I trust that's why you're here today, that you don't want to neglect His instruction, that you want to hear from God's Word. My prayer is that you will forget my feeble words and that the powerful Word of God will sink deeply and take root in your lives, that you might be changed by them, that you might be changed by God's wisdom. And so as we arrive at verse 18 this morning, what we find here in the remaining verses of Hebrews chapter 12 is that we are being commanded to give attention to two things. Two things that I see here that, that I think are, are clear commands that we ought to pay attention to. Two spiritual disciplines. Because God is a speaking God and because He has been gracious not only to speak to us through His Word, but to speak to us from heaven by sending His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be the sacrifice for our sins, you realize God has spoken clearly through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He has, and because He has given us His Word, because He is a speaking God, because He has been gracious not only to give us his Son for the forgiveness of our sins, but also to give us His indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and also to give us His Word because of this. I want you to look for these two things this morning. We should listen to the One who is speaking. We should listen to the One who is speaking. And number two, we should worship the One who has spoken. Listen to the One who is speaking. Worship the one who has spoken. And in both cases, that one 
is God. God is worthy of being listened to and worshipped. So because of all we're hearing here in Hebrews, we should listen to God and we should worship God. Now, let's note how the writer of Hebrews expresses these two spiritual disciplines we should give our attention to as we live the Christian life by faith. Follow along as I read verses 18 to 29. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Verse 18 in Hebrews chapter 12. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And verse 25 says, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. God, from His Word, is calling us to be attentive and grateful. To pay attention and give praise. To listen and worship. Why? Because, as we noted last week, the Christian life is hard. We need to get our eyes off of the hardness of life, off of ourselves, and get them on the one who is faithful, who is worthy of our worship, the one who is in control. And God knows that to endure in your faith until Jesus returns or calls you home, you need to listen to his instruction and you need to be grateful. You need to be grateful for his goodness toward you in Christ and through Christ. And so the writer in our passage this morning says, listen, listen to the one who is speaking. Listen to the one who is speaking. And to begin the instruction to pay attention, to listen up, the writer of Hebrews, inspired by God, shows us the greatness of the one 
to whom we are giving our attention. And to illustrate God's greatness, we're reminded of how God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. And you can see it here in the text. It's an incredible thing. And the way in which God gave the Old Covenant to Moses was accompanied with great fear on the part of the people. It was an awesome and fearful thing which is described here in verses 18 to 21. And verse 18 says that it was accompanied by a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. But that's not all. At one point, God speaks directly to the people instead of going through Moses. And when He does, when the people heard God's voice, says verse 19, look at it, the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. So mighty, so awesome is God that when He spoke directly to the people, they were filled with fear. They were filled with awe. And they trembled and they begged that God, please God, don't speak directly to us anymore. Go back to speaking to Moses. He'll be the go-between. He'll tell us what you said. We can't take it. But Moses, small problem, Moses was also fearful. This gives me hope. When I tremble, when I stand before you, Moses was fearful too. Verse 21, indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. That's a good thing. You realize that? Because God is mighty in power. And God not only is the God of love that we like to think about, but He is also a God of judgment. And He will bring judgment on those who reject reject Him. That is the warning of this passage. There's a clear warning here. Do not reject the One who is speaking. Listen! Moses was fearful. The people were fearful. And that that was a proper place for them, a proper disposition for them. The people were terrified. God in His holiness, in His might, in His greatness seemed fearful to them. And for good reason. Before He came as God incarnate, God in human flesh, born as a baby, humbly, before Jesus came in human flesh, before God spoke to us clearly from heaven by sending His Son. Before He came as God incarnate, God was perceived as distant and unapproachable. I'm here to tell you today, I'm here to tell you the good news that that all changed when Jesus came. God is no longer distant and unapproachable. Yes, we are to give Him reverent fear, reverent awe and respect and worship. But He is no longer 
one who is to be perceived as one who is distant and unapproachable. This is why Jesus is better than all. And what an incredible contrast we have here between the people at Mount Sinai and the people who have come to Mount Zion. How do you come to Mount Zion? You come through faith in Jesus Christ. As we look again at verses 22 through 24, we're going to see what has changed because of Christ. Let's pay attention here. Think about this. What has changed because of Christ? Verse 22 says, But you have come to Mount Zion. You have come to Mount Zion. Who's this talking about? This is addressing believers in Jesus Christ. And I would say to you today, if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have come to Mount Zion. This is depicting for us, and it shows us this here in the text, this is talking about the eternal city, the heavenly destination of all believers in Jesus Christ. We can think of Mount Zion as our heavenly home. All who trust in Christ will one day be permanent dwellers in a heavenly realm, a heavenly Mount Zion, because because of Jesus Christ. That's encouraging. That is reason for us to pay attention to the God who is speaking. Your eternal destination through faith in Christ is the heavenly Mount Zion, which will be a place of eternal safety and peace and a place where you no longer have to deal with sin. And what's also encouraging here with the reminder that we have come to Mount Zion, even though we're not in heaven yet, you might be thinking, wait a minute, I'm a resident of Mount Zion, but I'm not there yet. Yes, yes, that's right. You are not a heavenly dweller yet but you are a resident of heaven. You are an alien on earth. Because we have already trusted in Jesus Christ, because we already have Him through God the Spirit indwelling us, because Jesus reigns, we are already heavenly residents. And that is that is encouraging. That is hope-inspiring. That is, that is a blessed thought, a blessed truth to dwell on. Think of it. This world is not my home. You know the hymn, I'm just a passing through. Sometimes we think, how long, Lord? How long will I be passing through? One day, One day He'll either call us home or He will return for His church and we will be with Him and we'll see Jesus face to face. And we will be in our heavenly Mount Zion. And what a contrast between the fearful response of the people at Mount Sinai and what should be a praise-filled, worship-filled response of God's people now who know that truth. For all people now who place their faith, their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they have a heavenly dwelling place.
What a contrast. The people at Mount Sinai, weeping, shaking, great fear. Please, no more. And now through Christ, we can say, even so, come Lord Jesus. Why? Because we have also become eternal residents along with, look at the text, with the innumerable angels and along with the assembly of the firstborn. The assembly of the firstborn, which is likely speaking of those who have gone on before us to heaven. They've already received their eternal home. They've already entered their heavenly Mount Zion. And you can also know that through faith in Christ, you are now a firstborn. Think of that. Through faith in Christ, you are now a firstborn. And you can also have that confidence because you are now adopted into God's family and given all the rights and privileges of a firstborn child through faith in God the Son. And that, that eternal dwelling place, that heavenly Zion is yours to anticipate with great joy. And verse 23 goes on to say that through faith in Christ, you have come to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. That's the perfecting influence of the presence of Christ in glory in those who have gone on before us. It's like what we hear in 1 John 3, 2, where it says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And that is what we have to look forward to. Joining those in glory who have been perfected by the presence of Christ the sinless perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ, joining those in glory who no longer must deal with sin and temptation to sin. And we are not done here. This just keeps getting better. It says verse 24, Through faith in Jesus we have come to Him who is, look at verse 24, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. That is an interesting statement packed with important meaning. How is the blood which Jesus shed, which is what this is talking about, how is the blood which Jesus shed better, a better word than the blood of Abel? How is the blood which Jesus shed better than the blood of Abel? Abel, we know, was killed by his brother Cain. And Abel's blood calls out for justice. Abel's blood calls out for judgment, for things to be made right. Don't, don't we think that when we read the story of Cain and Abel? We think there needs to be justice here. There needs to be judgment here. But beloved, the blood of Jesus doesn't call for justice. The blood of Jesus doesn't call for judgment. 
Praise God. The blood of Jesus cries out for mercy and grace. We're going to celebrate that in a few moments with the Lord's Supper. We're going to take the elements, those symbols of Jesus' shed blood and His crucified body. Those elements cry out a reminder to us for mercy and grace that's ours through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus saves. Praise God. The blood of Jesus atones for the sins of all who trust in Him. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And what this is telling us is that Jesus saves. Jesus saves all who trust in Him, who believe in Him. And you can trust in Him. You can believe in Him because He is better than all. Says the writer of Hebrews, he's been crying out to us this reminder for 12 chapters. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Jesus saves. And all of that has led up to this command to listen to the one who is speaking. Look at verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused Him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject Him who warns from heaven. Unbelievers, if you are an unbeliever today, you are hearing God speak to you from His Word, trust in My Son. His blood shed for you calls out for mercy and grace and the forgiveness of your sins if you will trust in Him. Do not reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not refuse Him who is speaking. And believers, I think we can apply this to our lives as well. Do not turn from the wisdom of God. Do not turn to the enchantments in this world to the wisdom from, from the wisdom of God. Do not turn to the world. Do not turn to the wisdom of those who are steeped in sin, who are refusing the goodness and grace and the mercy of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not get steeped in being drawn into the enthrallments of this world, rejecting the incredible wisdom of God. Do not reject the one who is speaking. People who refused to listen to and obey God under the old covenant did not escape God's judgment. And those who do not believe and those who refuse to believe cannot, certainly cannot escape Him who warns from heaven. God has been so gracious to warn from heaven by sending His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, sending Him to live the sinless life that He lived, to walk the the cruel road to the cruel cross where He died and bore the burden of our sins. Do not reject the One who is speaking. 
and believer, do not neglect the wisdom that God is giving you in His Word. Do not neglect. Do not turn your back on the wisdom for which Jesus gave His life that you might have. God is speaking from heaven. God has spoken from heaven by sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And God has been generous to speak to us through His written Word. How incredible this is that we have God's Word to hold in our hands, to hide in our hearts, to direct our steps, to fix, correct, and set right our thinking. How blessed we are. God has been generous to speak to us through His Word, the Bible, and as clearly as God has spoken, we dare not refuse to listen to take in the truths of God's Word, to bathe our lives in the truths of God's Word, to hide up, to store up the wisdom of God so that by His indwelling present Spirit, He might direct us with wisdom to make God-honoring choices with our lips and the way we live our conversations and our interactions with people and the choices we make, we should want them to be shaped by the wisdom that God has given us. Do not refuse the one who is speaking. Of course, listening begins with believing in Jesus. So if you have not believed in Jesus, that's where listening needs to begin. But listening does not end there. It's just the beginning. That's why God's Word sends believers as messengers of light into this world. We are to be a light in darkness. Cities that cannot be hidden on a hill. We are to tell those who are being tempted by the deceiver to not refuse to listen to the one who warns from heaven. Believe in Jesus. Trust in Christ. You can be forgiven your sins. That should be our life's message as we live in this world. And there ought to be many ways that's clear in our lives as we communicate with the way we live. And when God gives us opportunities to speak the truth of the Gospel, we should be ready with the word of truth to point to the One who is better than all. Because Jesus saves. Listening also moves ahead through believing. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It moves ahead through believing faith in Christ to obedient faith. Listening begins with believing. But listening is fleshed out by obeying. Listening is proved. We're, we're listening when we obey. We're, we're proving that we're listening when we obey God's instruction. Believing in Jesus should result in faith in and obedience to God's spoken truth in His Word. And then listening and paying attention to who God is and walking in obedience to God's Word 
paying attention to who God is and what He has done and is doing requires that we worship the One who has spoken. And this, I trust, we will do willingly and joyfully and eagerly when we see God for who He is and what He has done through the Lord Jesus Christ. We should praise and worship God for what He's done. Speaking from heaven through His Son, we should also worship and praise Him for what He will do. Verse 26 reminds us that there was a day when God's voice shook the earth and says, looking at verse 26, but now He has promised. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. God will make new heavens and a new earth. And says verse 27, this phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. And what are the things that cannot be shaken? What are the things that remain? God, here it is, God and His eternal kingdom where all who trust in Jesus will dwell in safety and peace that will never be shaken. And what should be the result of this knowledge? What should be the outflow from our lives? Because we know that we're part of an eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. What should be the result of this wonderful knowledge? Verses 28 and 29 tell us that we should praise and worship the One who has spoken. Look at them again. Verse 28, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Passages like this in God's Word are why we, why we order our services. Why we gather together for worship and we put thought and effort into this whole process we call a worship service. We don't just come in and throw up our hands and say, what do we want to do this Sunday? We've got to set our hearts in the right attitude to give God acceptable worship because our God is an awesome God. A God who deserves our full attention and our full hearts worship and praise and adoration. And though we know we can't create that in you, we can help you. We can help show you the way to rightly reverence and honor God as we order the service. And we give God our reverent respect and honor as we worship together. I trust you understand that, that you should be worshiping God now. Our worship does not end with the music. The worship music helps prepare us to keep worshiping. As we give, 
as we open the Word and say, this is God's Word. God is a mighty God, an awesome God. I should lend ear to His Word. I should listen. I should not reject the One who is speaking, who has spoken so clearly through His Son. So God intends for our knowledge of His grace through Christ and His firm grasp on eternity. And He intends for the warning of judgment on all who refuse to listen and who refuse to trust in Christ. He intends for that to result in our praise and worship directed to Him. The One who is worthy of all of our praise and worship. And we're to give it with reverence and awe. And with our ears and with our hearts and with our minds and with our eyes fixed on eternity, with our ears and our hearts and our minds listening to Him who speaks through Jesus and His Word and with our eyes fixed on our eternal home. God will provide. God will strengthen. God will remain faithful to the end. God will give us courage to walk by faith and not by sight. God will encourage us as we walk by faith and not by sight. And He will do so through His Son and through His indwelling Spirit and through His living Word. As we run by faith, as we live by faith, the marathon, this ultra-marathon that is the Christian life. And because we know He'll be with us every step of the way, we, we can praise God. We can worship Him. How could we not?